In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I sometimes think the eighth chapter of St. Paul's epistle to the Romans is the richest, most powerful, and also most beautiful chapter in the Bible. One could preach for a year on what this single chapter contains. You don't have any plans for the rest of the day, do you? (laughs) Actually, today I'm going to focus on just a single line. St. Paul says in verse 11 that the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead shall also quicken, give life to your mortal bodies. Now, one question in uh, reading scripture or preaching on it is where do you put the emphasis? When you have a sentence, what are the important words in that sentence? When I was at St. Thomas in New York City, my rector, Father Andrew Mead, liked to say, one of his old guy teaching the younger folk things he would do, liked to say that the most important words are nouns and verbs. You know, don't try to be flowery as you write out your sermon. Nouns and verbs. Those are the words to emphasize. Well, it's good advice. But I think in this sentence we have an exception. The God who raised Jesus from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies. That would suggest that God is giving life to your bodies uh, in some sort of distinction to something else he might give life to, some other aspect to you. And that's not what St. Paul is saying. Here the emphasis falls on the adjective, mortal, and perhaps even more so on the personal pronoun, your. God will give life to your mortal bodies. The point is, the immediate point, is that even as he gave life to Jesus' mortal body, so will he give life to yours. Now, what is this body business? To be human is to have, and in some sense, to be a mortal body. We are not um, a creature, and such creatures exist, which sort of shed their outsides and become something else. You know, the, 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 the worm that becomes a butterfly, or I'm not a botanist, whatever it is, or what do we need to, That's not even botany, is it? So I'm really not a botanist. Anyway. Uh, we're not that kind of thing. We don't shed our skins and when going to. Uh, we have a body, and, and in a certain sense, we are a mortal body. We are physical things. Uh, we are flesh that's alive. But we are also mortal things. We are flesh that will die. Now, exhibit A for this is Jesus Christ. Um, Now, this is on my mind, maybe I should say, because in the current issue of National Review magazine, the cover article caught my attention. 
the, the cover article's title is The Modern Quest for Immortality. Uh, the author, uh, the, the article, I, I'm not recommending it for its theology. The author early on says that she had aban has abandoned the Christianity of her parents. But she is spot on in her analysis of what's going on in, in certain regions of our culture, on the, in her analysis of the desires and the confusions that motivate, uh, when you think about one of the strangest phenomena of our time, the voluntary investment on the part of the titans of Silicon Valley, these super rich people putting super great amounts of money into a project to conquer death. That is, they want to seek for themselves, first off, and maybe down the road, the rest of us, personal immortality. It's an old idea, but the, what's perhaps, what's thought to be at hand is thought to be different now. But it's an old idea. C.S. Lewis has it in his great novel, A Century Ago, that hideous strength. It's a hubristic enterprise. Hubristic because it's thoughtless, or better, but to repeat, just confused. To shift humanity from being mortal to immortal is not like, say, getting rid of polio. Polio has done a lot of harm, and I'm glad that we have mostly eliminated it. Somewhere I think I still have the little scar from when I was a boy getting that vaccine. But people who don't die of polio go on to die of other things. If we humans found a way to tweak our genetics so that we never had to die of anything, this would be quite different. It would mean to start in one place, we would not need any babies. And it would put a huge question mark over allowing new people to come into existence when all the people who are already in existence are not going to die. It would also eliminate middle age. If there's not going to be old age, there's not going to be middle age. There's no end, there's no middle. On the one hand, it might solve the crisis of how to pay for Social Security and Medicare. People could just go on working forever. On the other hand, if you know you'll always have tomorrow, then there's little energy to get anything done today. It seems to me that unconfused thinking about immortality would show that such people would be hardly recognizable to us as fellow human beings. I put it this way, mortality is not a disease. Mortality is a definition. And God doesn't change that definition. The way God conquers death, and we see it, exhibit A is Jesus, is not by eliminating death, but by changing what happens after death. Death means, this is its, in a certain sense, its definition. It means your body stops working and your flesh is burnt or 
decomposes or drifts down into the sea. But what God does, and it's pictured uh, in anticipation by the fish that swallows Jonah, and also in anticipation by the voice of his son calling to Lazarus, who's in the grave. What God does is to bring about a new reality on the far side of death. Death remains the end of our life. It's a punctuation mark, and not just a comma. It's a punctuation mark that marks the end of the story. Because of death, every human life has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sometimes there's a long middle, sometimes it's very short, but life always begins and it always ends. Now, in a certain sense, we feel that this is intolerable. All these human lives, all our human lives, come to their end. It would have been lovely for my late wife, Susan, to continue being healthy and a presence in the life of her children as they moved into adulthood and a presence in the lives of her grandchildren. That did not happen. So yes, it's a loss. And I'm sure you, you, every one of us knows this loss somewhere or another. But we need to see that if our bodies were never to die, if we had immortal bodies, then there would be no children or grandchildren. There would be no sense of passing anything along. Reminded also of C.S. Lewis, a wonderful character, a theologian, theologian, a caution to theologians, in his novel, The Great Divorce, this guy's down in hell. He doesn't know it's hell. He was a bishop, and he has a theological society going on down in hell, and he's presenting a paper on the tragedy of Jesus' death. And the thesis is that if Jesus had not died at such a young age, he would have outgrown his youthful ideas. <laughs> Even there... Right, this it, this death is this resistance to there being an end to the life. So it's Saint Paul's wisdom. It's there in in Romans eight. He says that God will give life to our mortal bodies, but He will do it in such a way that both of the following will be true. First, our bodies will remain mortal, i.e. They will have died. This is true of Jesus. He was dead as a doornail when they took him down from the cross. When he rose from the dead, his body was identifiably his because of his wounds, as he showed his hands and his side to dear St. Thomas. And in proper, not sentimental, iconography, he bears those wounds forever. Charles Wesley's great Advent hymn, the one that starts, lo, he comes with clouds descending, includes those lines, with what wonder gaze we on those marvelous, those glorious scars. 
So it will be our mortal bodies that God raises from the dead. But those risen bodies will be changed. Over the decades, I have often wondered about the changed quality of the resurrection body, wondered about and marveled at. Uh, For more than a decade, I was rector of a church called Church of the Resurrection and would think about this resurrected body that they saw, how he could appear in a room without opening a door. It was physical and yet different than what we experience and so forth. There are these wonderful clues in the gospel, in the final chapters of all four Gospels. So I'd wonder about that and marvel at it, but this is actually what I'm about to say, a new dimension for me of thinking about this. The quality of life in the resurrected body um, will not be merely an extension of this life. Resurrection from the dead will not be like getting a diploma. I got out of college. Here's the diploma. And now life goes on. And maybe it goes on in a different way or maybe the same way. It's not going to be that. You might have a party. But then it goes on, right? The resurrection is this concluding punctuation mark. So here's a piece, here's a piece of what I'm thinking about. When we rise from the dead, yes, our life will have been completed in our death. But what is the meaning of that life? Who knows the real meaning of his life? This also, by the way, is in Romans 8. Who among us, Paul asks, knows his or her own heart? God Paul answers, God knows you better than you know yourself. It's the Spirit of God who knows us all the way down inside, deeper than we can perceive ourselves. When we rise from the dead, God will say, this is the meaning of your life. And every one of us will be surprised. And surprised in a good way with the Spirit of God. Now that's the life that God will give to our mortal bodies. It's God's gift to us. It's us, but it's God's gift. At the resurrection, he will reveal to us the true, glorious meaning of our own life. And with that gift, uh, he will launch us into a new dimension of life. We might call it, although all words fail, a real life. Life in his own being. Life in the spirit of God with the Father and the Son in that wonderful communion beyond our imagining or comprehension for now, but even now, sometimes, there's a glimpse of it. Someone tells a story. There's a little flicker. And with that glimpse, you know, it's like treasure hidden in a field. It's something that's worth everything. So hear it again. He that raised up Jesus from the dead 
shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.